This podcast is sponsored by Inside Out Group, the specialists in high-risk and challenging filming and time-lapse, covering health and safety videos for rail, construction and infrastructure projects nationwide. Welcome to this week's Safe and Linear Average. On the show this week, we have Shirley. Shirley, I'm just going to hand over to you to do a short introduction and bring us up to speed with who you are. Thank you very much, Blair. So my name's Shirley Parsons. I run the specialist HSEQ recruitment company called, surprisingly, Shirley Parsons Limited. So we had our 15-year anniversary last month, so on the 1st of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we started the company, there was two of us, and now we've got 65 staff spread over Aylesbury and Reading in the UK, and Boston and LA in the States. We've also got an office in Germany, and uh, one of our consultants is based in Denmark. So quite a diverse workforce. Yeah, and spread out quite quite globally as well. That's excellent. So I don't know if you've seen the podcast before, Shirley. We like to just go right back to the beginning, where you grew up, a little bit about your early life. Okay, well, I was born and bred in Leeds in West Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were both doctors and my father worked full time for the NHS at the LGI in Leeds. He was in charge of the kidney transplant unit there. Yep. So he had quite a stressful but very rewarding job. Mm-hmm. Um, they carried out the first kidney transplant in the UK there. Wow. So, so he was p- pretty well known. Um, mm-hmm. My mother was also a doctor. She worked part time so that she could bring up the three girls. So I had two sisters, one older and I was the middle one and then obviously one younger. Mm-hmm. So I went to school in Leeds, um, did pretty well at school. I was always interested in sport as well. So hockey, tennis, anything mm-hmm. that um, involved running around, really. Yeah. Um, I then went to Sheffield University and read chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. Not too sure really why I chose chemistry except I was good at it at school, I suppose. And I thought, well, if I do something I'm good at, I'll have more time for socialising. Probably yeah. the, wrong, the wrong reason. Um, but anyway, I did, did well, absolutely love Sheffield. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out with a first class honours degree. Excellent. And uh, at that time when I graduated, there, I guess we were in the middle of an, uh, a recession and there were no hardly any jobs going for research chemists Mm -hmm. and after three years of doing chemistry the only thing I knew was I didn't want to carry on being a chemist okay so um a friend of mine heard about this MSc course in Manchester called um, pollution and environmental control okay it was the first year that they ran the course and I applied for it and there was only 12 of us and I got a place on that. So I went over to Manchester for a year. Mm-hmm. And um, I absolutely loved the course because it was using the basic information and the scientific knowledge, but mm-hmm. making it apply to everyday life. And obviously, 
you know, some 40 odd years later, it's only really just coming into its own, mm -hmm. um, looking after the environment. So um, I guess uh, all my life I've had the sort of the Yorkshire down to earth attitude um, to life. Yeah. Um, pretty straightforward, pretty blunt, some might say. Um, I think people know where they are with me. Excellent. And uh, although I don't live in Yorkshire now, I live in Stoke Mandeville, which is near Aylesbury. Mm -hmm. uh, I've still got family in Yorkshire and I love going back there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And do you travel back there often then, shall we? Yeah, not so much at the moment, obviously, because of COVID. Um, <laughs> My sister still lives there and uh, nieces and nephews live there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my mother, who sadly passed away in the summer, she lived in uh, Leeds most of her life. And mm -hmm. she, she died in June, just five days before her 100th birthday. Oh. So, so I used to go up and see her every month, which gave mm -hmm. me a chance to see the rest of the family and everything. Yep. Um, so at the moment, I'm really missing doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's been tough, these restrictions for everyone. And Glasgow today has just announced that they're going into a tier four um, lockdown as well come Friday afternoon. So it's, uh, it's disappointing. But yeah, start to get past it towards the end of the year and there's a bit of a, a, bit of a measure coming in with the, the vaccine, hopefully, that will start to try and resolve things a little bit. But we just don't know, do we? It's so up in the air at the moment. Uh, excellent. If we move on a little bit, Shirley, to talk about your first job then, if we, we start to look at that and explore that in a little bit of detail. Okay, so um, whilst I was at Manchester, I applied for a job with the London Borough of Hillingdon in, in the Environmental Health Department mm -hmm. as a scientific officer. Mm -hmm. So my tutor at Manchester said, um, well, uh, apply for it, but I don't think you'll get it. Mm -hmm. So that was <laughs> well, being sorted. I was not going to come back from that interview without having been offered that job. <laughs> so, um, so I got that and um, I started on the 15th of October. Mm -hmm. So um, I won't tell you which year because you'll be able to work out how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent five years there in the environmental health department um, dealing with all the noise complaints, air pollution, contaminated land, um, interacting with the general public and doing a small amount of laboratory work, but a lot of it was dealing with people and I found that I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, the downside was I wasn't a qualified EHO, so I couldn't progress up the ladder. Mm -hmm. And whilst I studied what was affectionately known as a smoke ticket, which was a diploma in air pollution control, Mm -hmm. um, because my boss said, well, if you get that, we might be able to progress you up the ranks as if you were an EHO. Um, mm -hmm. That never happened. And having done four years of study, I didn't want to do another four years yeah. um, becoming an EHO. So 
um, during the course of my work at Hillingdon, I met um, a lady who set up a, a small environmental consultancy. Mm -hmm. And she asked me to join her. And it was based in Milton Keynes. So I decided to do that. So I left a nice secure job at Hillingdon. Mm -hmm. I joined this small consultancy with a view to becoming a partner. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a contract of employment and I had to move um, to Milton Keynes uh, from just West London. Mm -hmm. And um, after about six months, um, she called me in and she said, um, well, you haven't brought any business in. I don't think you're partner material and I think you're incapable of running a business. Mm -hmm. So obviously that was a huge well, blow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I thought that she was bringing the business in and I was going to do it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so um, I then phoned up um, Paul, who I was going out with at the time, who later became my husband, mm -hmm. um, because obviously I was really upset by this. And we met for a meal. And I remember it particularly because it was actually Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. He had to come up to Milton Keynes. We went out for a meal and he said, um, well, we could we could set up two businesses, one to do your environmental consultancy. And he was a contract IT computer programmer. Mm -hmm. So um, and he used to get his work through agents. Yeah. So the idea was that um, he could uh, I could act as his agent and the agent for his friends and place them in um, programming roles. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that's what we did. So three months later, we set up these two businesses from yeah. home. And I guess we were 28 at the time. So obviously pretty naive, didn't have much of a clue what we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, but somehow we managed to get it off the ground. And I actually found that with the recruitment of IT people, I knew nothing about IT. But um, I found that I could remember unusual things about people. Mm -hmm. So um, there were a number of occasions when um, a client would ring up and say, oh, we're looking for a programmer with, the, with these skills. And of course, bearing in mind, in those days, with no computer, there was nothing online. We had a landline, a notepad and a pen when we started. Um, and we had to do everything by post. So we had to um, type up the CVs and post carbon copies off to the clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable to think about it now. Yeah. Um, but we actually um, got it off the ground. We made some placements. And whilst all this was going on, I was carrying out environmental consultancy, which was basically uh, monitoring noise on construction sites and um, looking into contaminated land. And I ventured into doing occupational hygiene surveys as well. Yeah. Um, so that's how the business all began, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what was the next step from there then, Julie? How did the business start to grow from there? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, 
I guess it was uh, sheer hard work. Mm -hmm. The first guy that we took on to help with the IT recruitment mm -hmm. uh, photocopied all our records when we were on holiday. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I questioned him about it, he said he'd been um, photocopying a friend of his, his uh, PhD thesis. Mm -hmm. But obviously he hadn't done that. He'd copied all our CV records and then he left and set up on his own. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that wasn't great. Um, but after about a year, we, we, um, we moved into offices in Aylesbury. Mm -hmm. and um we gradually took on more people mm -hmm. and um one of the first jobs i had actually was being a, a sales person for a company that um was an agent for what were called sip-in pumps which mm -hmm. i'm sure you're way too young to remember but they were small individual monitoring pumps that people wore in the factory mm -hmm. um to monitor their exposure to organic solvents uh, yeah and um so i helped him sell those for a while so i got some sales experience mm -hmm. um met quite a few people i think really it was a case of meeting as many people as possible yeah. and just trying to remember them mm -hmm and um, keeping in touch with them so lots and lots of amusing stories it's really hard to pick out <laughs> Brilliant. pick out any of them but i suppose in a to a large extent i was pretty much self-taught mm -hmm. mm -hmm. but um i think my advice for anybody setting up in business is that it's all about your network it's all about who you know what you know about them, who they can introduce you to. Mm -hmm. It's all about following up with them, keeping in touch with people, and then they can recommend you and help you. Yeah. But um, it's really not for the faint-hearted because mm -hmm. there are quite a few disappointments that happen along the way. Mm -hmm. So you've yeah. got to be pretty resilient. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking that actually about the COVID. Mm-hmm. Because to start with, when we were working from home, obviously I was based in the house all day mm -hmm. with no computer access to anything like that, only a landline. And the highlight of the day for me would be if someone had paid us, and bearing in mind it would buy, be by cheque, I'd walk into the village where there was a bank, I'd pay the cheque in, and I'd, then I'd walk back a slightly different way mm -hmm. um, just to have a break and uh, then get on with the work again. Mm -hmm. It's not too dissimilar from the situation we're in now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously, as children growing up in Leeds, we never particularly did very much. We just went out and played on our bikes with our friends, um, went out for walks just did very simple things, which is about all we can do at the moment, isn't it? Yep, definitely, definitely. It's really interesting that, and it's, I've seen it impact my children. My youngest was born just two weeks before the lockdown. So she's had a totally different life 
compared to the older one that she didn't really get a huge amount of interaction with the extended family at the start of her life. So she was a lot more kind of bonded to me and her mum rather than being bonded to the extended family and me being away working, which is what happened with the first one. So it's it's interesting how all of these things are all going to factor into the future off of this experience. And every generation has had something that's been slightly different. Like my grandfather's generation had the Second World War. The generation before that, my great-grandfather, they had the First World War. And if you step through all of the ages, it's been something different every time. And I think in the future, when we look back on this period of time, it will be like one of those big world events that we recognise. Yeah, and definitely. I think, um, the other thing that we're going to recognise out of the back of this big world event is going to be the differences in some businesses. Some businesses have been amazing at treating their staff and looking after them and trying to keep the money coming in and keep a bit of normality. And other businesses haven't been so great at it, at looking after other people and bringing, bringing them on. So it's going to be interesting, the, kind of, the gap that opens up there. But... Moving on from there a little bit, Shirley, thank you for that. That's that's really interesting insights. If we look at stepping through your career a little bit now, can you tell us a little bit more about the growth of your businesses and when you thought you'd really made it? How <laughs> it felt when you, you thought, right, that's me. I'm here. I've arrived. The business is going great. Talk us through that kind of, that kind of period. Oh, that's, that's a bit difficult because there's always something else you can achieve. Yeah, I'm not ever. Sh I'm not sure you ever think you've made it, but um, yeah. there've been lots of uh, interesting times. Um, so anyway, we we grew the company, um, and uh, I think it was well. We got Paul and I got married in 1984, so, and then we had two children will and mike in um 1986 and 1989 mm -hmm. and um i came back to work when the younger one was only about four weeks old and had all this work to do and we built cycle up then to about eight employees mm -hmm. and they all left mm -hmm. apart from one uh, loyal employee called Moina, who I'm sure many people who subscribe to the Kosh helpline will remember. Mm. And um, so I then phoned up um, Lawrence Waterman, who I'm sure you've heard of. Um, mm -hmm. He ran a, a small health and safety consultancy. This is uh, 1989, we're talking about 1990. Yeah. And I'd already met him before and done some joint projects with him. So he said, well, why don't we merge the two businesses together, which, which we then did. Mm -hmm. And um, so we became health, safety and environmental consultants. Mm -hmm. And we kept the SIPOL name. Yep. And um, so we sold that in the late 90s to Liberty Risk based in Boston in the States. And by this stage, we had about 70 employees mm -hmm. and uh, we ran a very successful Kosh helpline, yep. which is still going today. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, it's, uh, it's really groundbreaking still today, but having that way back then 
was an, an absolutely fantastic concept because it allowed businesses that maybe didn't have the expertise to manage their costs well to then have an expert on hand to give them the advice and help them step through the process. I mean, it, it was really good. So the idea to begin with was to develop a software package to enable people to do their own cost assessments when the regulations came out. Mm -hmm. But it rapidly became apparent that people didn't want to do their own cost assessments yeah, because they didn't really understand chemicals mm -hmm. and they felt really nervous about doing the assessments themselves. So that's when we started building up the cost assessments mm -hmm. and it became like a club. So people, every cost assessment we did for individuals was then put on the database. Mm -hmm. So when you paid a subscription, you got all these cost assessments and then you could um, select how the activity that we're using the um, materials and get the, um, the cost assessment. Mm -hmm. so that works really well. And I, I would say that um, Lawrence and I were very different. So he was the big showman. He loved doing presentations. Um, you know, the more people, the, be the better. And that wasn't my style at all. So I was much better one-to-one -one with the clients, nurturing mm -hmm. them and getting more business from them. Yeah. It actually worked really well. Mm -hmm. um, but then we sold Cypel and, and we went our separate ways. We had the opportunity of buying the business back, which was amazing, really. Um, mm -hmm. And by this stage, um, we had started doing recruitment as part of Cypol. Mm -hmm. So Lawrence, Karen and I went out for a, a curry after a director's meeting one evening. Mm -hmm. And um, I suddenly had a light bulb moment that we could do recruitment for health and safety people, because obviously I'd done some IT recruitment several years before that. Yeah. And Lawrence said, well, if you think you can make a business out of it, then let's do it. Mm -hmm. So then pretty soon after that, I started phoning up clients saying, this is what we're thinking of doing. And they mm -hmm. all said, well, that's really great because we're always looking for good health and safety people. Um, you can definitely work with us and help us. So, so that's what we did. We started that off. Mm -hmm. And I can still visualize the first magazine uh, advert that we put in the um in the shp magazine it was supposed to go in on the 1st of january mm -hmm. and it came out on christmas eve would you believe and it it just it was all down the right hand side of the page and it said a uh, new year new job question mark and we had a contract health and safety role in portugal Mm -hmm. which obviously attracted lots of people's eye and they all started ringing up on Christmas Eve and uh, <laughs> it was absolutely mad because obviously I was trying to get ready for Christmas and all the phone kept ringing and um, anyway that's how the recruitment business started and um, I just found that I had found my niche mm -hmm. because Basically, I was get, getting paid for speaking to people all day on the phone or meeting them. Yeah. yeah. But I think the key to it was um, 
engaging with people and meeting them, finding out what role would be suitable for them, what their aspirations were, mm-hmm. um, where they wanted to go. And because we knew the clients well, we it made it much easier to make a match. Yeah, yeah. So it's not um, about only the qualifications. The person's got to fit yeah. into the role. Yeah. There's a, so a that, that was the there. start of it anyway. Yeah, there's a big match there for personality in a business and fitting into the corporate culture as well. That if the corporate culture is quite forthright and forthcoming, then someone that's quite timid won't exactly set the heather on fire going in there as a safety person because they'll just be railroaded over the top of. And the same token, if it's quite a diplomatic culture, you won't have someone that's quite forthright and outspoken being able to go in there because they won't be able to do the diplomacy part to pull it all together. So I get that. That's that's an interesting insight as well, Shirley. Um, moving on from there a little bit then, if we talk a little bit more about setting up the agency and progressing through with it, how did the America side of things come up? Well, we... Um... I think we probably had about 30 employees and um, we had a policy of employing young graduates Mm -hmm. straight from university and then training them up. Yeah. So these two guys joined um, straight from university, I believe. And um, after about 18 months, one of them got headhunted and... um, The only way that we could actually keep him was mm-hmm. uh, to give him to say that we could um, send him to the States. Well, both of them actually to the States and um, set up a branch of our company over there. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. And they were both, I think, 22 at the time. Mm-hmm. So incredibly young and um they only had about 18 months experience in recruitment Mm -hmm. so we really threw them in at the deep end um but they really really grasped it and they've Mm -hmm. done really well Mm -hmm. so they're both um they've both got american girlfriends now Mm -hmm. and um We've got about 20 staff over that there now. Brilliant. And uh, they mainly do um, permanent roles. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this country and, and overseas, we do permanent and contract. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That, that was a big leap of faith. But um, in terms of the market, there didn't seem to be any other specialist recruitment companies in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they still aren't really. Their biggest com- competition comes from internal recruiters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned there that you recruit quite a lot of contract roles in the UK. Can you tell us about the dreaded IR35? We see all the contractors clawing under the table here with the, the mention of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's, that's is really going to have quite an impact um, when it comes in. So we're... Uh, we're working with our clients and our contractors to make sure that um, we can get through that. 
Mm -hmm. um, it's a difficult one. I can see why the government wants to do it, wants to introduce IR35. But at the same time, um, contractors do provide a valuable resource yeah. um, because companies, you know, typically they're on one or two weeks notice. Mm -hmm. And when the project's finished, the, com the company can just give them their notice and there's no employment repercussions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's giving us a bit of a headache at the moment, but... Yeah, it's we'll, uh, we'll get through it. Scenario to see how it all develops going forward because um, a lot of businesses rely on being able to contract in that specialist knowledge and skills. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier this evening and he was telling me that well, he understands that a lot of businesses are struggling at the moment. He was brought into the particular business that he was working for for his specialist knowledge and background. So it wasn't just about putting a bum on a seat. It was the particular knowledge that he had that he was contracted in to use. Um, and that worked both ways, both in favour for the business and in favour for him. And he's looking now to see how it's going to develop, whether he's going to look to move on and go full time or go more contractual and set up looking at maybe consulting to two or three different businesses in a, a monthly period. So that, that was really interesting. That was an interesting chat. Looking forward a little bit then, Shirley, if we look at what are you doing now? What's your role day to day? What do you get up to? What fills your time? Um, <clears throat> well, obviously keeping in touch with uh, clients and candidates, mostly senior ones, I would say. Mm -hmm. So we do quite a lot of executive search roles where yeah. companies will actually employ us to, to search for director level roles. Mm -hmm. um and i really enjoy doing that so that's um quite a significant part of the day mm -hmm. um i also still do get involved in debt collecting mm -hmm. which sounds a bit crazy but um people don't pay their bills you get a chap in the door from shirley saying pay up or else yeah <laughs> and uh, i've actually been known to turn up on on clamp premises and unannounced and just say um can i speak to the fd or whatever and i'm and then i go and see him or her Absolutely fantastic. And i'll say well you owe us this money so um if you don't mind i'm just going to wait here until you pay my wife's grandmother done a very similar thing when she worked in the construction industry back in the 60s and the 70s. She was famous for turning up and asking to speak to the director of the companies that they'd worked for. And if they said he's unavailable, well, I'll just wait here in the reception and wait for him to come to make sure that she was paid. <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, well, I think that's my uh, my Yorkshire grit coming out. Yep. And um, it's, it can be a bit nerve wracking. I remember um, we had a contractor on the site in Harrow. Mm -hmm. And um, when I spoke to the uh, the hiring manager, he said, oh, we've, we've let him go. We couldn't afford to keep him on. Mm -hmm. I thought something doesn't sound quite right here. So mm -hmm. I got on the train um, to Harrow. I got in a taxi and I, and uh, the taxi driver took me to this um, premises 
And I said to the taxi driver, do you think you could wait outside for me? Because nobody else knows that I'm sort of here and I'm not sure what I'm going to walk into. Mm -hmm. So I went in and I said, oh, can I speak to son, you know, the, the MD, I can't remember his name. And um, the guy sitting there said, oh, I'm sure he's out today. And I said, well, what's your name? And, and it was the name of our contractor. So I said, I thought you'd, uh, you'd left. And he said, oh, well, you weren't paying my bills. So, um, so I've gone direct. And I said, well, we weren't paying your bills because you hadn't given us your bank account. So how could we pay you? So, um, so anyway, we sued the company for um, permanent recruitment fee. Yeah, yeah. and rightly so. I just thought, well, you know, they've got our money. It's it's not right. So yeah. I've done that several times. So, that, but obviously, I do that less, much less now. But um, <laughs> and I think at the moment during COVID, you know. Um, keeping in touch with the staff mm -hmm. like today um there was only three of us in the office so i went out for a walk with one of the other ladies Brilliant. for half an hour at lunchtime just to have a chat yeah and i uh, did the same a couple of times last week as well mm -hmm. yeah. just trying to keep in touch and trying to keep them motivated and look after them really yeah but um, I think, well, we have a lot of fun. I mean, we've got some fantastic clients, fantastic candidates. Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly enough, I spoke to an HR lady today mm -hmm. and uh, she said that her brother is in health and safety. Yeah. And she'd mentioned to her brother that she was going to be speaking to me today. And, and he said, oh, um, everybody in health and safety knows Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to this podcast going out i think this will be a well-watched one um i think a lot of people recognize the name and say ah it's good to put a, a face to the name <laughs> so that's excellent right if we continue on a little bit shirley what's coming up in the future what's the the next big project what do you see yourself doing um we uh, our ambition is to be a responsible organization so mm -hmm. in terms of looking after the environment um sustainability mm -hmm. um it's really about environmental social governance so i think we'll be moving more in that direction okay. um we want to so we do health, safety, environment and quality recruitment. So we want to really promote um, the, the environmental side of that. Yeah. Um, because I think it's worthwhile. And a lot of companies at board level are now talking about ESG. Yeah. So, so that's a big part of it. We're also supporting... Um, some of our clients on major projects so we're moving slightly away from recruitment to more project focused consultancy particularly in wind and energy mm -hmm. which is definitely an expanding area yeah now yeah it's a massive growth market yeah. excellent thank you Shirley 
what advice would you give to someone starting out in health and safety today as a career? If they're maybe watching this and thinking, I'd love to either take health and safety as a first career or step into it from having a little bit of life experience from a different role. Definitely go for it. It's, it's a fantastic career, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, actually, for women. And quite often we do get asked if we have any female candidates, which I know clients aren't supposed to do, but I think it's a particularly good career for women. I think they make excellent health and safety managers. Um, there's a sort of, well an empathy that um, comes maybe more naturally to women. Mm. So I definitely encourage that. And it's a good career as well that you can bring up a family as well and fit it around work-life balance. Um, I think it's a really worth career because you're helping people. You're also helping the commercial aspects of the company. So good health is good business. You know, yep. if they're working safely, they've got good systems in place and that's a successful business. So obviously you need to study, you need to get the qualifications. Um, doing the diploma, progressing up through the various stages from Gradage to CMIOSH and so on, really worthwhile. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you very much for coming on the Safer Than Your Average podcast, Shirley. I really appreciate it. I'm sure this will be a well-viewed and well-listened to pod. And thanks very much for your time. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. No, definitely. And if uh, anybody's out there looking for a role, reach out Shirley Parsons Agency. They're there to help. And you'll find them on LinkedIn and various other places. Where else can they find you, Shirley? Uh, well, obviously, we've got a website. Um, we advertise on the specialist job boards. Mm-hmm. But um, we do like the, um, well, ideally face-to-face contact. But at the moment, that's difficult. But we can arrange Teams meetings or Zoom calls. Yeah. Um, it just all helps mm-hmm. in terms of getting to know you, which yeah. is what we want to do so that we can understand what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. so please don't be shy pick up the phone get to know us uh, we'd love to help you in your career excellent thank you shall we thank you very much this podcast is sponsored by inside out group the specialists in high risk and challenging filming and time lapse covering health and safety videos for rail construction and infrastructure projects nationwide